got a big red cherry nose. Santa's got a big red cherry nose. Who laughs this way? Ho ho ho. Santa laughs this way. Ho ho ho. Ho ho ho. Cherry nose. Get on it. Sue that's red. Special night. Here that's right. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Santa Claus. Welcome everyone to another episode of the In Real Deep podcast. I'm your host, Steve Semino, senior writer at InRealDeep.com, and with me as always, executive editor, Andrew Johnson. Hello, Andrew. Solid gold shit, maestro. <laughs> that was good. Mixing it up. I like it. We've talked a lot in December, and any creativity or going outside the box on your end is always appreciated. We have This is the most we've conversed possibly in years, at least from a podcast <laughs> format. So we can thank our consistent December guests for that, for putting the whips to us and keeping us in line and really sort of setting the tone for this crazy month of Christmas movies. And of course, that guest is Sam Johnson. Hello, Sam. Hi, guys. I'm in love with love. There's so much love to talk about. Oh, my gosh. There's going to be a lot less anger and frustration and confusion and all sorts of negative emotions this year because we are revisiting Love Actually. We are talking about Love Actually again. And if you remember our episode from pretty much a year ago, Andrew was uh, over the moon in a negative, I guess a bad moon, a dark, evil moon in terms of his general distaste for that movie. And so there, as such, we sort of demanded that Sam assign us this one more time to revisit it and to talk about Love Actually again with a year off with fresh eyes and inadvertently after seeing the Jim Carrey Grinch movie, which I think sort of restated to us what a bad Christmas movie could be. So, Andrew, before we get started, let's do the more like Christmas beer segment. Let's just say we're, we're going to give Andrew the floor in a bit moment and let him do a, a mini short version of his previous rant. I think there'll be a lot less juice in the tank pun intended but more like christmas beer i am currently enjoying a what is this called this is a low quality bailey's knockoff it is quinn's irish cream liqueur it is what i bought from target because they were out of bailey's bummer i guess it is in high demand now i'm now i feel like i need to stop at a liquor store on the way home tomorrow could have just been a bad day at the downtown la target unclear what the reasoning was exactly but (laughs) run on baileys (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh well i am drinking something as you guys saw when i said i had to make my drink before i could join you uh i am drinking uh, a very fancy drink because we don't have any beer in our house uh and it's called a a fanciuli i think it's italian Mm. and it's 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 all booze it's uh it's it's four parts bourbon two parts sweet vermouth one part ferne branca uh which is like a almondy italian liqueur um and uh, i highly recommend it it's my my drink of the season right now sam i'll pour you one in a week or so you know in the midwest in the midwest they call that fernet of course they do. But, uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm having a middle brow trademark brute, which is uh, not uh, champagne, but actually a brute India pale ale. Mm. Middle brow. That's like the that should be our podcast name. <laughs> We're right. firmly middle brow. <laughs> we are distinctly in that yeah, in that meaty space in between yeah. high and low. <laughs> yeah. All right, Andrew, I know you have less to say, but let's give you the floor. We gave you a year. You swore on the last episode, I would like to note to the fans and to you, that you would never watch this movie ever again. Obviously, you were not allowed to keep that up because of what Sam demanded of us and how we must obey his whims for December. But you had to sit down. You had to watch again. You had to betray your words. What are your thoughts with a year off and with one really much, much worse movie in between? Well, I guess I would say that my promise last year doesn't really matter because we live in an era uh, where nothing matters and life is meaningless <laughs> thanks to Donald Trump. And so in some ways that makes us the perfect movie to talk about for this <laughs> this, <laughs> this this time of the year. Uh, yeah, I don't have uh, I don't have much vitriol left. Uh, I'm still recovering from last year actually um, and all the uh, all the all the things I had to say about this, you know, genuinely awful movie. Um, and, and yes, the Grinch, the Jim Carrey Grinch has 
given us all some valuable perspective on just just what a terrible movie looks like. Um, but I mean, I, let's not understand. This is still this is still a, a very 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 bad movie. And I think the thing that I'm actually bristling at this year is not so much having to like slog through it again. And it was easier to slog through than the Jim Carrey Grinch by like a lot in my book. Um, Cause it's just less loud and obnoxious. Um, it, but the thing that I'm bristling at is that I, 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 we talked about this last year. I do not think this is a Christmas movie. It's not, a, it has nothing to do with Christmas. Uh, it happens around Christmas and then it has a Christmas related conclusion. Um, and, that doesn't like make it bad necessarily. That doesn't really have anything to do with, with why it's bad. Um, you know, meet me in St. Louis, which is the Judy Garland movie, uh, where she sings, have yourself a merry little Christmas is always played this time of year and actually has only a very small part about, about Christmas. Um, the difference is that that movie is good and it doesn't use Christmas throughout the film as like a cheap cloying bit of sentimentality. Um, like like this film does and uh i just uh, i would just conclude with that that i really hate the opening soliloquy and the closing moments at the airport where hugh grant says um we don't live in a world of greed and hatred so that, that's all i would say I, it's, it's a little toned down um but uh this is a, it's just a bad movie and uh here we are. The ghost of Christmas past has caught up with me, I guess. You know what? It's Christmas, and at Christmas you tell the truth. So I'm glad you gave us your truth in this particular moment. Uh, AJ, I'm going to take this as wonderful progress that you've made. <laughs> Sam, you're really you're – really, I've made prog- – we've established that I've made progress this year, but I don't know. Your bar for Andrew seems very low in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. The I mean, soft bigotry of low expectations, yeah. Yeah, he d- he didn't even really like the new Grinch. Um, I, I did like the new Grinch. Yeah. Once okay. we talked about it more, I think he I think he's found more to like. Was my interpretation at least? Yes, I I I feel more more positive about it than I did when I wrote my review, and I gave it a positive review. What, what more do you want? So I think uh, okay, I'll I'll take your points one by one. Um, I really liked this movie a lot more this year than I did last year. And I was like, I was, <laughs> I was with you uh, last year about it. I was just sort of appalled. Um, and I just found it to be very, very charming this year. And there's no doubt that it's incredibly cheap and it plays with your emotions in a really cheap way. Um, and I also think that a lot of your criticism about it not being a Christmas movie stems from like the last 40 to 50 minutes of it when they really just say what you said, Steve, which is Christmas is when you tell the truth or when <laughs> when Andrew Lincoln is with Kara Knightley and he's like, well, you know, uh, I'm just telling you I love you because it's Christmas. There's no explanation for that. But I do think, as I was, like, watching through the first, I think, 80 minutes of the movie, it, like, a lot of the plot is driven by Christmas. And I, I, I went, I'll go back to the Bill Nye thing again. But, like, you know, it's that whole thing. The, the Christmas number one sets the table for everything. But there's also Rickman shopping for Christmas presents, the fact that they're um, you know, a lot of stuff is precipitated at the Christmas party. And I, I do agree that it like sort of loses steam late and it's entirely too long. It's like 40 minutes too long at least. Um, but I do think that it classifies as a Christmas movie. Uh, I don't know. I, I took so many notes this year of like strange elements of it that that further emphasize the Christmas sort of like being shoehorned in. Like at one point, Martin Freeman asks his female interest if she wants to go out for a Christmas drink, 
I don't know what a what is a Christmas drink. Is that, a, <laughs> like, is that yeah, like a, so, a drink with mistle, like with like holly on it or something, like with yeah. tinsel dripping from it? Like I don't understand what that means. It's just that that's that's such a like on the nose example of you know, or, or when the girl when when Martin Freeman and her go out for the Christmas drink and they come back and they have a little kiss and she's walking away and she turns around and says, "All I want for Christmas is you." And then she just leaves, and Martin Freeman goes, "Yeah, it's like what? That's such a creepy thing to say to someone. <laughs> like, what is that even? What is that good? Is that a nice thing? Like, that seems odd after one date and some nude stand-in scenes that she would only want you for Chris. I don't know. It just it leans on those lazy sentiments and like you know blatant moments even where it seems like they just drop the word Christmas in for the sake of her mind. Oh, it's been six sentences since someone has said the word Christmas. Better put it in this sentence because God forbid the audience forgets what time." year it is because we're not giving it to them in any other way beyond shoving it down their throats you know when we feel it's necessary just sam i don't know we're not, i don't think we're gonna find common ground that was not a sense i i found it more appealing this year but not because i thought it was more christmasy i think i i the one thing i did nitpick this time is the amount of christmas shoehorning bullshit they pull off on a you know near minute by minute basis the Rickman example is an interesting one and obviously the bill nye storyline is entirely revolves around christmas but in almost all of the other stories, there are Christmas things happening around them because the movie arbitrarily decides to put and the first scene five weeks until Christmas. And like the countdown matters. Like I don't even know why they put that up. Like who cares? Like it's it's not like an <laughs> advent calendar. Like it doesn't even make sense. Like they just again they just did it to do cheap things. And you could rewrite. Other than the Bill Nye things, you, like you could you could rewrite a lot of those without Christmas being in there, or or they could just stand completely without Christmas. Um, and and then you know like like for example, you could have Alan Rickman shopping for like birthday presents for his wife or something. I mean, like just make it up. Like yeah. you don't need Christmas in there. And so yeah, there are Christmas things happening around, during the movie again because the movie is arbitrarily, maybe not so arbitrarily, deliberately decided to you know play into the cheap sentimentality of the season and then again the core idea that you tell the truth at christmas is nonsensical i mean literally all of santa claus is is like literally every adult lying to their young children the entire month of december so like it's actually (laughs) the most common thing that happens around christmas is lying you know actually i would argue so it's like a ridiculous premise all right we're getting fired up again that's a wildly, wildly grinchy statement, AJ. <laughs> you just said you just literally said Christmas is about lying, and I'm just not... only because you're you're saying that Christmas is about telling the truth, which is ridiculous. I don't actually believe it's Christmas is about li- about lying, but the, the idea that Christmas is about telling the truth is bullshit. Sam, it's... I don't think you really – you don't believe the Christmas – you don't believe they're fabricated – that sentiment is entirely fabricated by this movie, though, right? What? The, that Christmas the, is about the, telling the truth. Uh, that doesn't mean anything. That is that is, that is the most gibberishy statement I think you could possibly create. I, I've never heard anyone say that before or since. <laughs> Unless they're referencing the movie that made it up, right? It's, it's literally the plot of Liar Liar just with Christmas subbed in for Jim Carrey. <laughs> but that, that is never what I was saying. It's not what I was saying at all. No, like, I understand. That is the point where it loses me. That's what I was saying. Oh, okay. All right. Good. I would say that the, the all of the stuff preceding that is at least loosely... Close, closely related enough to Christmas to put it uh, in the Christmas movie classification for me. Uh, Sam, Sam, you will recall last year we read on the Wikipedia page, which is cited, so it's a real thing. I just couldn't pull the initial source that Richard, this movie, this movie was not written about Christmas. It was, it was, you know, retroactively changed to be more about Christmas. So that does that doesn't mean it's necessarily not about Christmas. I know Andrew's taking the other side of that stance, which I tend to agree with more than you but regardless like there is a clear admission from the screenwriter that this you know the christmas was to an extent shoehorned in so that's a tough you know uh, uh, part of me wonders if it's you know you are you just happen to be so susceptible to the lovely beautiful ideas of christmas that even in a movie like this you can't help but fall you know prey to their charms even if the charms are hackneyed and lazy and sort of dumb I was actually thinking about that. Like, <laughs> I do think so. I've watched this movie twice now this year, 
Um, my God. And where do you find all the time? <laughs> well, I don't have kids, AJ. You're That's the one true. Who's got kids. He's got I kids. I have kids. But I, I, I do think that there's something. Well, I, again, maybe I'm super susceptible. Like, uh, uh, like I'm very, I'm very uh, subject to this kind of mental manipulation. But I think that this movie does brainwash you. And I think that like the more you watch it, the more you can gloss over uh, its deeply flawed nature. I, I can I can I can I can see that. And and uh, I I will say like even though I just was very negative about the film, I did there I I do agree with the sentiment that there are there are definitely charming moments in this in this movie, um, but like it is literally forty minutes too long, which is. In my view, unforgivable for a movie that is uh, like an ensemble cast. <laughs> like, just cut some people from it. You don't need all of the like. You, you literally, it's it's made to cut. Uh, and and uh, so yeah. But I yeah, it's it's probably gonna like. If you keep making me watch it, I'll probably like 15 years from now, be uh. <laughs> You'll just be drooling and yeah. just nodding along with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> for me, when I watch it, I. I like break down every interaction that or like scene into oh this is charming or funny and I appreciate it for that reason or it's either it's so bad and unintentionally funny that I now get joy from that. Well, we I talked mean, about this already. It, let's let's actually go through and rank them. Andrew, I know you in particular uh, have assigned sort of a power ranking to the to the segments or stories in this. Go through them but, and let's debate that. Before you before you do that, sure. I think Sam, there's a third stream, uh, which is just incredibly cringeworthy moments that haven't aged well. Um, you know, there's all the, the let's not forget all of the like sexual harassment, fat shaming. And then also one, the one I wrote down this year was don't cry all the time. Emma Thompson speaking to a new widower. Like, nice thing to say there. Um, so there's, there's also that there's also the, the like jaw dropping cr- cringe worthy moments of which there are many. That's a fair point. Anyway. Well, so I think we should kind of collaboratively do this. Okay. And I think, are there... I, th- I think we all. I, I think based on the you know previous conversations in the last episode, we can all agree on a very solid number one, though, right? Well, I was gonna go in reverse. Oh, reverse and, order. Okay. Uh, well, because I think I think it's even more clear what the worst story is. <laughs> okay. I, like so, like let's start there. Yeah, let's start bad. Bad's always more entertaining than but, good. So. I mean, I, I think the Andrew Lincoln, Kira Knightley story is like by far the worst. I, like it's uh, it's that's... it's. It's not even close. Like it's just so, it it doesn't make any sense. It's it's horrible. Like, it does. It's not resolved at all. Like it's weird. Please, if you don't think that's the worst one, I would like to. I I want to hear what 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 is worse in that story storyline. So the only reason I would say Laura Lenny is because she's so wasted and it's so sort of embarrassing to her as a character and actress to play that role where she's just just sad and and passive and and just really like and it's not even in like a understandable like it's it, it, and it's so it's creepy like i know like I, I assume they were trying to be realistic in their depiction of mental health and i guess they sort of are in the sense that her brother is not just like a, a you know a so like a caricature of a of a mentally you know impaired person like he like tries to literally punch her in the face but that is that is such a different vibe than everything else in the movie that to me that's just so poorly executed and such a waste of a great actress and just so weirdly uh disappointing and embarrassing for like the one of the few female characters in the movie that i just can't help as much as i hate the andrew lincoln one as much as i hate that that has become sort of the endearing uh you know <sighs> highlight of the movie in a lot of ways i just think laura linney one though it's probably not as, as bad it, it hurts me even more and, and it had potential and it's just the wrong movie and a waste of a great actress and i just feel like it's a very that that one just fits the least and therefore i think i like it the least i mean i get yeah Go, Sam. Break the tie. So I had uh, and uh, Rick from Walking Dead as my uh, worst storyline as well. 
I, I hear what you're saying about Laura Linney. Like her big win is that she doesn't put on makeup in the office <laughs> before Carl leaves. Like that's her only win from the story. Um, but I just think that the the like Kieran Knightley Andrew Lincoln story is just so nonsensical. None of it makes any sense. Yeah, it's very yeah. bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to offer too much. I, I offered, you know, 45 seconds of argument, and I, now I instantly concede that that's the worst one. <laughs> like, I stated my case, and I was outvoted, and I, I can't really argue that much. It is very, very bad. Well, and the, and the cue card scene, or the card scene, is like, oh, yeah. again, yes, Laura, Laura, they waste Laura. Laura Linney is wasted in that movie, but... But um, the cue card scene is like the iconic moment from that movie. And I don't understand how that's even possible. Like, it's not really a romantic gesture when you actually watch that. Think about that storyline for like more than five seconds. It's fucking horrible. Um, and Kira Knightley kisses him, which is basically yeah. cheating on her husband to some extent a week yeah. after they got married and, and leading him on. So should he keep trying? Should he show up with more cue cards next time and hold them up? Like, it seems to be sort of working. Like, you seem to have gotten through with your with your creepy-ass gesture, dude. Like, I guess uh, keep it up. I, I think that there's one thing that this movie clearly believes, which is that men should definitely keep trying because that is definitely one thing <laughs> that keeps happening in the movies. <laughs> That is an overriding sentiment, yes. That is or, if very you, or if you fuck up, just come back and apologize. And I guess Christmas yeah. is also a time where you get away with shit to a certain extent. Yeah. I, I mean, Andrew Lincoln walking away saying, enough. Like, what does that even mean? He just says, enough. But he, And he showed up with a cue card that even said, like, I have no intentions. And then he got a kiss, and he's like, oh, yeah, I got my kiss. Like, so, you, so it was enough. So you did want a kiss, you liar. Like, why are you pretending like you didn't? It's just, it's, just, it's it, it, that, I agree. Now that we're talking about it, it's, it's the worst. I, I, it's unanimous. <laughs> Well, what kind of person, what kind of man, like, it's like also done at a kiss? Like, you get the kiss and then you're like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm oh, good I just here. wanted a little peck. Thank you. Kira Knightley's also way too thin in this. I, I not that she, I just, she looks like very terrifyingly thin. Like she's beautiful. I'm sorry. Like it was, this was, this was, you know, she, I, I just, I, I was nervous for her. I was like, you are very, very thin, Kira. Like I hope you had like a sandwich or so. No one was starving you or something. Like please be healthy. So that made me uncomfortable as well. You could say that about a lot of movies she said, but I know. yeah, but still. Well, I mean, I did, I did agree that number number eight. My, my my eighth my my second worst was Laura Linney so I'm I'm like we're we're in the same ballpark there, um, and yeah that's a pretty unsatisfying. The, the other thing I would say about the reason that one to me isn't as bad as the Andrew Lincoln one is because like at least Laura Linney like goes on with her life and it's really just about her you know what I mean like 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 the 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 Andrew Lincoln Kira Knightley one just makes me feel bad for. Uh, like multiple people that are involved whereas like with laura linney i just feel bad for only her character so i get i i guess that's how i'm gonna talk myself into it being not as bad <laughs> I have, it is just so, sorry a, a fantastic waste of, of of a great act actress so so yeah. i definitely care about that less than you guys um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair, I, I, had, fair. I had i had linney in the middle of the pack Ooh. Like, I thought that uh, at least her character is well-developed, um, even if uh, her story is, like, sort of pointless and sad and not um, in line with the rest of the movie. But I had her a little bit higher. I, I can agree with that. I, like, yes, her character is – like, I know that person. It's not a very textured Laura Linney performance like we've seen her give, but, you know, you're, you're right. It's, it's All right, Sam, what else did you hate then? I had uh, Mr. Me Too – uh, Colin, who is goes that, is that Rain? Is that British Rain Wilson? Uh, <laughs> he, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the guy that goes to America to bang. Yeah, to bang. And I, I, I call him America fucker. In my I, I, have, I have guy who wants to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> We're all saying the same thing, guys. Yeah, uh, but I, I have him as Mister Me Too, and you know he's <laughs> Mister Me Too. He's just like you know coming after women and is like oh these British women they they're not game for a laugh and that's just such a classic like <laughs> guy who routinely 
you know, sexually harasses women around him thing to say. Uh, and then also just his story is so um, it, 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 it just strange. It, it's just incredible. I'm like, I was watching it and it's just like so ridiculous. And it's like, but it's like sort of supposed to be ridiculous, which again yeah. I, is very not in line with the rest of the movie. Like, there's this one outlier with this random actor and all these, and like it's completely zany and unrealistic. And the other ones are mostly grounded in some sort of reality. So again, to your point, Andrew, why not just cut that? Like, why did they think that needed to be in the movie? Like, was was adding a tiny three minutes of comedy better than just moving along and sending that dude away? Uh. Yeah, I well, I yeah, I, this didn't bother me because I thought it was like really silly and stupid. Um, now I just looked at what that guy has done since then, and it's not very much. Um, yeah, it's it. I don't know. I at least like laughed a couple times. He's he's an idiot. <laughs> like he's an idiot, but what brought him down for me this time is just how cringeworthy he is. Um, and I think they kept him in the movie to put Denise Richards in there and Jack. Yeah daughter and yeah. uh, uh the other one uh january jones is that january jones or whatever yeah yeah betty draper <laughs> oh, always weird to see like like uh, it's also funny that like th- the, he brings over three people who actually went on to be much more <laughs> noteworthy <laughs> like than that guy uh especially J- uh january jones but um but you know even um even Alicia Cuthbert was in some movies and was in 24 and stuff. So, yep. And The Ranch on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget about The Ranch, guys. Yeah, I'll put that one on my list after Christmas season. <laughs> yeah. Is that the one with Danny Masterson? Yeah, so not, not anymore. He's been he's been removed. Yeah. They, I think they I think he got hit by a bus in the show or something or killed by a gourd by a bull and they said oh, he's dead now. Cool. That's how they should have killed the America fucker guy too. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Some some ridiculous, yeah, old timey American ailment befalls him. <laughs> yeah. He goes to Wisconsin. What's a Wisconsin death? I don't know. Cheese? Like cheese, cheese grated cheese. to death or something. Yeah. yeah. Or Brett Favre yeah, throws a football at him or something. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. The timing would have been right. <laughs> yeah. Heart disease or diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> a real slow. They put old age makeup on him and they just show his whole. He, he lives out his life. I like I like Brett Favre killing him with a football because you know Brett Favre's just a gunslinger. So, yeah. You know. <laughs> Real, if they already do Billy Bob as the president, you might as well do Brett Favre in there too. Like if you're gonna go for yeah. broad American stereotypes in your characters, throw Brett Favre out there as QB one or something. There's something about Mary came out like a couple years before this. Brett Favre could have played himself. That's they right. could have jammed another person in there. <laughs> it's true, missed opportunity. Yep. Yep. Could have been two and a half hours then. Andrew, is the fucker your next person up on the power ranking, or is there a surprise? No, I had the, like, fourth worst. Wow. Okay. By the way, these are all going to be, in, they're all going to have a number and then worst, because they're all terrible in some regard. But, um, no, I, I I really don't like the Alan Rickman, Emma Thompson storyline. Uh, so I rank that as third worst. Um, mainly because it just, it, it's another one that, like, makes me feel awful and, um uh it's just seems like a complete th- th- this is on a pound for pound waste of talent this is the this is the biggest waste of talent because you have two really great actors who are just you know i i don't even know what they're doing but i would say so i have so i i did sort of an actor actress power rankings as well accompanying this i think emma thompson gives the third best performance in this entire movie so or maybe arguably second so I, that's the only thing, I reason I like this slightly more, and I still don't like it. I think it's probably right in this wheelhouse, but I think Emma Thompson is one of the best, gives one of the best performances in the entire movie. And really, in terms of, you know, not, and that's also factoring enjoyment of the other ones. In terms of best acting and doing something with nothing, I think she probably does the best overall job in that regard, for sure. So that doesn't mean, like, Alan Rickman is so wasted and so useless. And yeah, and like, nothing is, there's such ambiguity there. Nothing is resolved in a bad way. So I, I love Emma Thompson in this movie, and I think she's amazing in so many things. But yeah, overall, that's just that's that's some real shit but, for sure. But I think if you don't like the Andrew Lincoln one because there's so, um it's a messy story that do, you don't feel good about, and there nothing is resolved, then you you have to penalize this story heavily. Yeah, you're right. For that, I, I agree that Emma Thompson is does a lot with a little here, and actually, it's it's like 
it's a pretty amazing contrast to Alan Rickman, who, in my view, like is a great actor, but was like completely mailing it in, in this performance. Like he he could have been asleep, I, as far as I <laughs> as far as I can tell. But um, again, we're probably talking about you know things Sam doesn't care about, which is like actors in the context of their career. <laughs> no, I, no, I so I had the Emma I had the Emma Rickman uh, uh, storyline near the top actually, but. <laughs> After <laughs> uh, after hearing you guys talk about it, I feel like really what I was responding to is Emma Thompson's great performance. And, um, like the scene where she goes into her bedroom and, and cries oh is definitely the most dramatic mo- moment in the entire movie, and the most well acted. Like it, again, it's it not not a lot to match up to necessarily, but that really is you know there's some actual emotion there, which is missing most of the other time. Unless you're Sam, it's missing most of the other time throughout the movie. Well, I don't agree with that last statement you made, but uh, I do agree with the, the the first part of that statement, which is it's also like really well put together, right? Like they seed the Joni Mitchell thing really early on, yeah, yeah, uh, and then yeah. the like the bait and switch sort of thing, and so it's like a scene that actually makes sense in context of the movie, uh, which is you know not something you can say for a lot of scenes in this. Movie. Can we talk for a second about the like how ridiculous and one dimensional the secretary for Alan Rickman is like in the like talk about a caricature of like and a complete failure of the uh, the Bechdel test of like, you know, women talking to other women and like, holy shit, just terrible. Yeah. And then they um, don't take the layup. I think we talked about this last episode, but they don't take the layup of having her try and bang the prime minister either. Like, so she wants to bang Alan Rickman, but not Hugh Grant. Like, they should have at least like made yeah. some sort of like they could have made some funny joke out of that, where where the prime minister is so he likes Natalie so much, he's like, no, thank you, sex pot. I'm gonna hit the road, you know, like instantly rejects her and give her give her a little comeuppance. But then no, they don't have time for that shit. She just she's just there to sort of tie the thread together very loosely. I don't really know what that was for. So yeah. what was? What was your third worst then, Sam? So you, wait, I, I need a recap of yours. Your 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 I don't your know rankings. if we can spell. I don't know if we can possibly spell because we're going backwards in order and we're passing them around. I feel like there's a lot of it's gonna be tough. Our listeners, their heads are gonna be swimming, and they're probably are already because they hate this movie so much or they love it so much. Uh, yeah. So I had. Uh, I don't know if you guys classified this as a story, but I had the Sam Joanna as the third worst. What's Sam and Joanna? Do you separate? Do you separate that out from Liam Neeson? The kids. Oh no, I don't separate that out. No, that's I think that's I think it all all is Neeson. That's what I call it, Neeson. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so that's just the Neeson storyline. Okay, yeah. all right. Unfair, unfair to Jojen Reed a little bit, but I mean, right. I think they are they're all under his umbrella, kind of. But- there's not like a lot of scenes where it's just that kid and her, Sam. Like I don't like. I, I, that's why I wouldn't separate it out. Like a lot of that kid's screen time is with with Liam Neeson. So oh, I, was just, I was just focusing on the love stories, you know, it was a <laughs> love story. Sam, I know why, I know why you separate Neeson out too. Cause I know you love one of the Neeson parts very, very much. So I, I really, I love uh, Neeson. He just brings it home in this. Andrew, you, you lead the charge and we'll just, we'll chime right, in right. as necessary. So I, all right. So I had fourth worst as the America fucker, which we already talked about. <laughs> and then fifth worst. So we're actually, sort of starting to go into the the uh, top half this is out the, of this is out of nine if you yeah yeah okay. if you if you wanted to call it the best it, it was the, it would be the fifth best also um is for me is the hugh, hugh grant storyline wow i i genuinely disagree there i do too i love I the think, hugh grant one i think well okay yeah we can i mean maybe this is where we need to start talking about all of them together but there's only four others, obviously, <laughs> that are, are ahead of that. Uh, I think the the one that may be controversial for me is that I put the Martin Freeman one as number four. Um, yeah, I, at least swap those two, I, I yeah, would say. I had them flip-flopped. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, but the Martin Freeman one comes without any real fat shaming, so... <laughs> but, but I will say, I think they're... 
there was one note I took that I think, you know, of all the Christmas shoehorning that we were complaining about before, I think the best part about putting Christmas in sort of for no reason is when Hugh Grant is knocking on doors and the kids stop him and say, please, sir, sing us some carols. And Hugh Grant sings carols. And then the, the guard, the copper starts singing carols and the kids are weirdly dancing to this carol that you can't really dance to at all. <laughs> like I thought that was the best, like forced Christmas moment in the entire movie. And I think everything that Hugh does is just very charming. And, Sometimes stupid and sometimes, you know, really on the nose. But I, I thought he was just great. And so he, I, th- I think he's the second best performance in the entire movie. And I actually have Hugh Grant as number two on my list. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, so this is the this is the first one that we've talked about on my list that where I actually enjoyed parts of the storyline. So there's progress there. I, 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 uh, I just think other parts are a little ridiculous but i don't know i don't feel that strongly it is about terrible it. they like uh, when I, I will say and, and sam i'm sorry for, for popping in again but i will say that i forgot how much they do fat shame natalie the character in this even mm-hmm. there's another woman in in the prime minister's office who says something she has chubby and has huge yep. thighs like that's yep. the most out of left field fat shaming in the entire movie because like, her own family woman? does it too her own family but at least they can they're they're like they're they're flesh and blood you can call your brother fat if you want to i don't know why you call sam fat but you're allowed to yeah i wouldn't but yeah <laughs> yeah i mean she's got a fat nickname it's plumpy <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. felt charmingly british to me too it's probably giving him too much credit but it, 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 it that the fat shaming piece is jarring because she's not fat but um... she's beautiful <laughs> she's unbelievably attractive but yeah, I mean the the Hugh Grant scene, I you know like the the interactions with the president or with Billy Bob Thornton and the whole like press conference thing, like still just great on me as someone who like knows anything about geopolitics. But um, like oh, I don't know a lot about geopolitics, but I know more than Hugh Grant and Billy Bob Thornton do in this movie. <laughs> uh, and so, like that part grates on me, but I, I, I think Grant is he he just takes it home uh, for this movie, like generally, I think, and and the whole like back half is only enjoyable uh, as you're sort of getting tired of all of the all of the um, sort of uh, other storylines dying on the vine. Uh, Hugh Grant is the only one like really really taking it home. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, you guys are swaying me to a degree. I, I don't know how. I don't know how high up though. I would, I would take him. Andrew, you're not uh, wrong though. It is, it does, it is hard to weigh the pro, pros and the cons of something like this though. Like, like, like you said, it has that, that. That's probably. I think we can probably agree that has the highest lies, the highest highs, accompanied by some of the lowest lows of any of the stories. Like, like you said, there's very few other ones that are enjoyable and bad at the same time in the way that the Hugh Grant story is. Yeah. I and I think that. that it's it's tough to put Martin Freeman above that one just because the Martin Freeman storyline is so ancillary. They could they could that's another one. That's the other one they should have cut. I know it worked out okay because Martin Freeman became a star of sorts, but not necessary. I always forget they're like, are they stand-ins? Why are they doing such porny? Thing? Are, are they stand-ins <laughs> yes. on porn movies, or is this like a no, really no. racy R-rated I'm, movie that they're I filming? They're, like, yes, I think they're stand-ins on like a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie from the 1990s, like the early 1990s. There's so much I'm, sex, like different angles and stuff. Like it's like the room style and the amount of sex they're having. It does. It's crazy. I, my only reason for ranking it higher than Hugh Grant is because it didn't have a lot of lows. I totally agree it could have been cut completely from the movie. But it didn't really have, for me, like a lot of lows. And it was kind of a nice story. They just, like, they, like, spend a whole day, like, fake fucking each other. He, like, grabs your tits and then they, like, go out for a drink or whatever. A Christmas drink. It was, like, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, like, inoffensive. And I was, like... I didn't have anything, any negative feelings about it. So that's fair. Yeah, it's simple. It, it it's simple. Like the whole thing is predicated on the fact that uh, the, the like the hilarity and charming nature of it is predicated on the fact that they're like, uh, basically like fake fuck, as you say, fake fucking each other. But then uh, Martin Freeman is so nervous to actually ask her out on a date, and right. that's like nice. It, and yeah. it's simple, and it doesn't really go outside of that. And it just is what it is, and it, it's it's nice standalone, but also it doesn't need to be in the movie. Yep, I agree. 
I mean, I can't get mad at an unnecessary uh, storyline in a in a completely unnecessary movie. So uh, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> all right, especially one that's inoffensive. All right, I'll keep it. I'll keep it moving. All right, so the one, two, three, four, the seventh worst. <laughs> Or the fourth best. Seventh least worst one is, uh, for me, is the Bill Nye one. Um, Oh, no. Wrong. Very wrong. (laughs) Number one. Bill Nye, number one. Not even close. Number one by far. Yep. Agreed. Sam, we have so much agreement now. Wow. What's going on? Andrew's really getting double teamed here. AJ doesn't even know what he's talking about. He's so devoid of Christmas spirit. <laughs> I, Andrew, I would have sworn you would have said give Nye props. We we pretty much agreed last time that his you know his story was the most Christmassy and and he was the most charming. Like I just think there's if you if, you, if you're giving them points for not being bad, there's not there nothing bad happens to the Bill Nye story I, at all. It's all just fun and nice. I mean, he is the unwitting conscience of the movie, but um, but but there's nothing. If you guys want to talk about things that could be cut from the movie, like I don't know that Bill Nye's story is really like necessary in the movie. Is it? I think that's a ridiculous statement. But <laughs> why, why but is now, it necessary? But now you're a stab- Now you're defining relevant to the movie by how many sort of characters are in each other's storylines, though. You know, like yeah, he sort of has a standalone one, but this is the only real Christmassy one of the bunch, and he he's arguably the best person in the entire movie. So. I feel like you could cut it because it is, but at that, like you said, sort of said, who cares whether Bill Nye is in the rest of the movie or not? He's just, it's great. And it actually is a Christmas story that sort of ties into the theme they're going for the most. Like, I think it's just, it's great. Yeah. I'm looking at my remaining list and I'm like, who are you going to put at number one? If not <laughs> nine? Do you want me to skip to number one and then we can come back to number two? I can do it. <laughs> no, no, go let, through. We're, we're going we're to stay on the, we're, let's stay on the path, but. AJ Knight, he ties the whole movie together. He's the only. He's the only. He doesn't. There's there's no tying this movie together. So like, <laughs> let's stop there, okay? There's no like. It, he may be the most. He's definitely the most fun character. I I I I hundred percent agree with that. And that and the the three the three we're about to go through are the three stories I actually enjoyed without any like any misgivings. But uh, misgivings about Knight. I, that's what I'm not getting. Is like, I don't have. Like I said I don't have any misgivings about him. I don't have any misgivings about any of the next three. Okay, fine, fine. <clears throat> still <Yeah>. ridiculous. <laughs> it's still ridiculous that you ranked him anywhere but number one. So. I will note that it is weird in the bill. I took a note of this in the Bill Nye scenes. At least when when he gets announced that he's Christmas number one, all these people are hanging out together, and it's Christmas Eve, and there's like 50 people, and they're just drinking with Bill Nye and the manager. Like, and then Elton John's having a party. Doesn't Elton John have a like a family or like you know parent like you know or a, he, he has a partner? Like, why is Elton John holding a party on Christmas Eve? That doesn't seem like a thing that's happening. <laughs> Everyone stays with their family on Christmas Eve. Even rock stars, I imagine. I think it's a British thing. <laughs> yeah, this it's a very British movie. I think we talked about that last year. Yeah. Um, right, I mean, go. I I obviously identify with Bill Nye's character the most of anyone in this movie. He's he's very cynical about his whole Christmas role and everything like that. But um, so number two for me is Colin Firth, who I wrote down in my notes is the English Denzel Washington because he plays the same character in every movie. Um, and he's the same character in this movie. Um, I don't even know. I don't even remember. Now I, I don't even remember. I don't even remember why these rankings are the way they are. <laughs> I just, I feel very strongly that there are like three tiers and then that we're now in the top, the top tier. Um, I like the Colin Firth, like the him not having the same or the the language barrier with the portuguese lady i i i adore the amount of sweater turtlenecks that he wears in this movie um and we should talk about this this movie again as i texted you guys if they ever make a second love actually like someone somewhere who has a loom that makes sweater turtlenecks is gonna like fire that thing back up because it's time baby uh i I don't know. I, yeah, I like the Firth story. Like it's Colin Firth is the same character in every movie, so, and I like Colin Firth. So, 
you know, I, thought, I, like I think we one. called it creepy last time, or at least I thought of it as creepy in my head. And I didn't feel as creepy this time. It's still a little abrupt. The amount of love they feel for each other <laughs> so quickly, but it didn't. It felt a little more earned this time. Like I wasn't so jarred by it. I was like, okay, whatever, fine. Maybe just a byproduct of disliking the other story so much. But I thought it was. I thought it was adequate at least. Yeah, I. Uh, it, it's great. I, I feel so. <laughs> I felt so warm. I feel so warm and fuzzy when I watch all of the scenes of of Aurelia and uh, Firth together. Um, but let's not forget also that they managed to uh, to sneak some fat shaming into that story as well. They do. Oh, uh, multiple times. So Aurelia fat shames Firth when he, oh. yeah, when uh, he offers her croissant or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and, right. And she's like, you better not eat too many of those goddamn croissants. Yeah. <laughs> Is that fat shaming, though? Like, does she say something? She says something after yeah. that about his him gaining weight. So that is more. In the, yeah. like, she's proactively, though. She's like, you're going to get fat. You're already a little, you know, foppish and I mean, British. Like, don't add OBs pa- to that. Part of being a grown-up is, like, you shouldn't eat that many croissants, though, you know? <laughs> it could also be concerned for his well-being, because he was real sad. He might, he might have been, you know, he might have been depressive eating for a little while. Like, there True. could have been a mental health element to it. Yeah, his brother was fucking his girlfriend. I mean, it's a lot to recover from. But <laughs> uh, it, and, but then at the end, also, the, the fat sister, also. Um, yes, the, they the did dad, land her pretty she, well. The, pretty dad, sure. the dad calls her Miss Burger King 2003. <laughs> All right, you're right. And now I need to move Bill Nye up a slot. I think he just went up a slot. I don't know. It's it's <laughs> literally been like with these power ram. I'm glad they're not set in stone. That's nice. Well, it's been like two weeks since I watched this movie, and I hate it. So I try to match <laughs> <laughs> details a little bit. But yeah. All right. So now we all know what's number one for you. Yeah, it's Liam. Oh, okay. All right. Sam, is that number one for you as well? I think Liam gives the best performance actually in this movie. I I, I would argue, um, it's it's a committed performance, uh, and a and a, it's like it's very tender with his his son, um, stepson, stepson. Yeah. Which I, and, I took a note like, why does he talk about fucking with his son so much? And then I was like, oh, I guess he's his stepson. That's makes it more reasonable. I wouldn't want to talk about fucking with my stepdad necessarily, but I guess that's slightly less odd. Yeah, and I and I also include the the kid storyline in the in it, which is kind of charming. Um the yeah. So that that's that's where I land. I don't know. Did I overrate Liam by just by one or more? I split out the Sam Joanna storyline. So and I had that one super low because they're children and they're bad actors. But <laughs> you should just should have mushed them back together. Then that's that's very reasonable to do that. Yeah. Now I'm like reconsidering everything. So I, it's it's tough to figure out where where Liam would fit in because I I mean we talked about this last year, but like he just plays a broken man in every yeah. movie, and yeah. he continues to do that. Um, he was pleasantly but, broken in this though. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah, he is. He was, he was getting ready to put the pieces back together. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and, the, and the like, the repartee between him and Jojen Reed are, is is pretty good. All the stuff about like meeting Claudia Schiffer and then her showing up is cute. Um, so he, I I think you're still uh, massively underrating Nai, and I'm never gonna let that go, AJ. But uh, but but yeah, so so I, I think he's up there. Neeson. I think we can agree that the, the top four are Nai, Hugh, Neeson, and Firth in some order, right? Yeah. They're no, the ones, I, and I think we, I think we honestly no, said no, this no, last year. No, 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 I don't year. agree with that. I put what do you think is not one of those top Martin four? Martin Freeman above Hugh. <laughs> no, you're crazy. I think we said last year. I mean, Andrew, you might not agree. I think if you make a movie with the, around those four stories, which is like 90 minutes long, I think that's a, a decently watchable movie. I'd be I wouldn't I wouldn't ran about it for an hour on a podcast if that was the movie. I think it's just the bloat that comes with everything else and how bad those other, you know, f- Andrew, you'll say, f- you know, five, but four. The, the, like I, I think the other stories just are so extraneous, even if they are tied in by story, they're just so much worse than than the meet up that I, if I consider those four the top four with good actors and you know and just and stories that make some sense and you know it, it just feels so even if it, even if it was a Christmas movie or it leaned less on Christmas I think there's still a movie there to some extent and you know it is what it is otherwise 
Yeah, uh, yeah, I I agree generally with that, except that you lose uh, Emma Thompson in that in that uh, hypothetical movie. But but well, Ron- do you though? Because she can still tell Liam Neeson to stop crying all the time, even though he's a recent widower. I think I didn't find that offensive at all. I found that very British and stiff upper lippy. <laughs> Keep <laughs> calm and carry on. Your wife just died. It's cool. It's fine. <clears throat> God, this movie's terrible. Well, if you have your own thoughts on Love Actually, please share them on our Facebook page. Please at us on social media. Please bombard us like you did last year with nonstop mild threats and accusing <laughs> stares and curious glances as to why we are crapping all over your favorite movie. Although, as we said previously, another one of these episodes, I think most people who reached out and didn't quite get our point initially, when you listen to our podcast and when you watch the movie, some of these points are so glaringly obvious that it's not like we're nitpicking or reinventing or, you know, or, or calling it out for the sake of calling it out. It's just... There are flaws, and we talked about them, you know, for two hours now. So if you don't, if you can listen to both these and not see those flaws, uh, you know, we're just maybe we're not. Uh, even Sam, I think, sees some of them. So if, if we can get Christmas Guru Sam Johnson on our team to some extent, I feel like we're making some cogent points. <laughs> that should that should be the tagline of our podcast. <laughs> Middle brow, we're making some cogent points. <laughs> some some is the key word some, there for yeah. sure. Not a lot, not a lot. Yeah, just some, just some. Well, much like much like Love Actually, there are some good storylines. Not a lot, yep. but there's like a couple. There's like a couple. We find them occasionally here and there. Well. Only one more episode left in our Christmas month, holiday month, in our output for December. It's very sad. I know, Sam, we're reaching the end, which always means tears. But it also means that we're building towards the Christmas holiday itself, which is the most exciting day in Sam's life. And is a great day for everyone. And it's why they make all these movies. And it's why we're talking about all these movies. So it is the big build up, And it is about to commence very, very shortly. This is Friday the 21st. On Monday the 24th, we are releasing Muppet Christmas Carol. That is the last episode in our series. Unless we do a bonus one, which could happen. We'll see. But it's the last <laughs> one on schedule. And I think we probably will need some sort of a break at some point. Because we are talking to each other way too much. And Andrew has kids and Sam and I must lead lesser but still meaningful lives. So <laughs> please reload those feeds on Monday on Christmas Eve. Get that episode. Enjoy it. Soak it in. And then enjoy your Christmas holiday, which is right around the corner. And we are very excited for everyone to celebrate whatever holiday they're enjoying. But Christmas in particular is right coming up. So, Sam, thank you so much. Um, enjoy your last couple of days. Finish your planning and shopping. And hug that tree one more time because it's coming down in a few weeks. Don't remind me, Steve. <laughs> Andrew, good luck with everything. Two kids, big Christmas coming up. I'm very excited to hear how that goes. Uh, yeah. Well, it's really only one kid because the other one's too small to appreciate. That's but, true. Uh, but you can pat her head and, and give her hugs and stuff. So. Yeah. The one kid's going to get a lot of presents, so that'll be <laughs> interesting. That will be indeed. <clears throat> Uh, Thank you all for listening. Enjoy your Christmas preparation, and we'll be seeing you further on up the road. Adios. Who will come our way? Santa will come our way. Eight little reindeers.